Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, gents. Welcome to the second attempt of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. How are we? Hello, JB. I'm very good. Thank T- you. Tim, from a remote location somewhere? Uh, yes, receiving you, JB. I can hear you, Phil. Excellent. Now, you're not here, Tim, but I've added a new feature to the Rugby Dungeon. We have now got the Rugby Dungeon Book Corner. And in the Book Corner so far, we've got Smelling of Roses. Leave it be so the people on Facebook Live can see, please, Phil. Stop touching my books. <laughs> and House of Lancaster. Did you ever make it all the way through either of those? No, I didn't. No. But House of Lancaster is quite easy to read. You just pick it up and it kind of, it's quite readable. Uh, the- how many book? How many books before a book corner becomes a library? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. We, we a are deep a long, question. We are a long way off a library. <laughs> a long, long way off. Well, someone sent me a book the other day, and it is they wanted me to talk about it on the podcast, which I guess is what I'm doing now. Uh, and it's kind of the day that kind of every day of the year of what happened in the like in the Lions. I was talking to some guys who were Connacht fans. Uh, on the rugby dungeon, and they were, and they were saying, Connacht have got only three lions ever. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the same as Swinton Rugby League Club in Manchester. <laughs> Who are tier, yeah. t- tier two or tier three rugby league club? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Love it. Exactly. Anyway, boys, shall we get get our hands in and pod on three? Let's do it. Let's do it. Hands in, pod on three. One, two, three. Pod. Pod. Hello and welcome to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB, in studio with Phil. Hello, Philip. Hello, JB. And from a mysterious rugby location, somewhere down south, probably his flat, it's Tim. Hello, Tim. Hello, yeah, the, what, what should we call this? That's You're in the rugby dungeon, I'm in the, well, I, the rugby... L- layer then I imagine you just be layer. sitting in the TMO booth Tim yeah I can only I cannot picture you anywhere <laughs> else other than the TMO booth mm. it is a shipping container you were right <laughs> oh yeah I did not know that <laughs> in the car park oh yeah shipping container in the car park yeah so that is where you are the rugby but, shipping container yeah 
Yeah, this isn't a joke. Yeah. The um, I'd love an egg chaser's shipping container. Oh, yeah. With, like the logo on the side of it. <laughs> Take it around, isn't it? What we're keeping there? <laughs> Rugby books. <laughs> um, <laughs> we definitely don't have enough books to weren't a shipping containers worth. We don't have a library's worth. We don't have a shipping containers worth. We have two rugby books. Yeah, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, shall we talk about some, some some rugby guys? Great idea. Let's do that. But before we do briefly, could I just make a plea that someone please introduce the Georgian rugby team to Cornerstone Razors? Oh, what a good idea. Why? What, what, what would they do with said Razors, Tim? Well, I, I think they're the only razors that could possibly cut through the dense beards that those Georgians have. They really are thick within mm. their in their beard growth. So if they ever did want to get rid of it, I'd recommend the best razor on the market, a cornerstone razor. And because I'm sure they listen to the Egg Chasers podcast or someone should put it put them onto it, they could get a special £10 discount on their first order, which would mean they could try it for just £4 and get their own engraved cornerstone shaft. Get on board. Get Cornerstone, cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers, cornerstone.co.uk slash eggchasers, or egg10 at checkout. Well, do you know what, gents? Uh, I'd like to start the rugby this week somewhere a little bit unusual. Not that unusual, but somewhere where we wouldn't, no- wouldn't normally start. Okay. I'll give you a clue. <laughs> Who saw this game? Me. What a game, eh? Uh, tremendous. Oh, absolutely brilliant! Finally, finally, it feels like maybe my favourite national team might be back. Well, I, mm. I kind of, I've kind of hinted at this because uh, they've they've been threatening in in all of their games, indeed, in, in this autumn series. It actually looks like they've kind of they've got the right jigsaw pieces finally yes. in, into place. I, I think they've always had the pieces. Yeah, but the coaching but not been... in the right right position. Yes. Like you'll you'll end up playing Dusan or Morgan Parrot at ten, um, and just people out of position and you'll have guys out of form like the last couple of years, say Fafana and Pickamols, who are two of the best players in the world, have been injured, out of form, not selected, um, ill, various things that have conspired to prevent them from performing. But mm. now it seems ominously, like it's all lining up. Well, here's my point about the French team. They've previously picked coaches that coach in the style of modern French rugby. So they're kind of modern coaches, but French don't produce many good coaches. So they've gone right back to an old-school coach, and now they are going to play old-school French rugby. And I, for one, love it. I absolutely love it. And I'll tell you what uh, epitomised the whole thing. It was that uh, Mr Northampton try. Oh, what... Uh, I, a tap and go, round the back. The pass Regan, by, what oh. was his name? What was his name? Uh, I can't what, remember his name. What's the... Serin, Baptiste Serin. That's the guy. Yes. Where, where's he from? Now, uh, good question. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know. My my, my earliest memories Bordeaux. of rugby so. was the 1987 Rugby World Cup. And there were two things that I remember, and it made me fall in love with the game. One was Fiji. Mm-hmm. who had just completely the whole rugby world fell in love with Fiji in the 87 World Cup. And and France, who just had this quick offloading, oh. keeping the ball alive, and, and fast runners, incredible depth my, and, and attacking players. My the, favourite player for years was Thomas Castagnette. For years. Yeah. But also back then, the French kit was a thing of beauty. The traditional... Oh, that Adidas kit. Yeah. Oh. 
just the 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 proper royal blue front royal blue top the th- simple three sh- stripes the white shorts and the red socks absolutely oh gorgeous yeah as good as a retro rugby shirt can get mm. i just love the size of this team as well i love the size of their front row um is it Valhamina? Is that how I say his name? Valhamina? Uh, the second row. Valhamina, oh, yeah. Valhamina was yeah. just absolutely everywhere. He's an absolute colossus. Um, and my other, uh, my other fa- uh, favourite player, one of many at the moment, Maxim Ma- Mashinode was class. He is class. You, well, they're 8, 9, 10 channel. The, yeah. the, the, the three, oh, so three good. players who are going to control that game. Um, Camille Lopez, who's on in sensational form at the moment for... Claremont, mm. who was left out of the original squad. Was he He's really? only come in because of the Tranduke injury. Yeah. Mashinode, who's exceptional, and Pickamoles, who is rejuvenated, uh, having come over to, G- to Northampton. Yeah. Guys, I'd like to make an observation. Please do. Go on. We've already been pod we've already been podcasting longer than Elliot Daly played. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, let's, let, the... I, 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 we punted out on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. I should have mentioned that. Sorry, you can find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. We have Facebook Living as well, so you can go back and look at the 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 book corner in the Rugby Dungeon. Look at Phil and JB there, and listen to the whole thing there as well. Share, like, and leave your comments as well. We can keep an eye on your comments and incorporate them into the podcast. But uh, C uh, Gollis on Twitter tweeted to at Rugby Podcast and said, "Should Elliot Daly?" have to give his cap back um do you know what this was just horrible this like Elliot Daly felt to me like he was really carving out a little bit of a niche for himself in the England team everyone's talking about all the various things he does how fast he is he's quite a big bodied bloke he can kick because he plays all these different other positions yeah understand the winger's job more more completely etc etc it sounded like he was on the cusp of something great and then that happens it's just, and you just knew it was kind of almost Shakespearean to, to look look at his face as a tragedy. Oh, yeah. and the guy's <laughs> yeah. the guy's coming down. He's watching this guy tumble with his career, and <laughs> that was that. It was over. Uh, yes. It. I just. Uh, there's no other word for it. I just felt sorry for him. Yeah, I felt sorry for him. I, I really did. I think uh, you can see on his face. Uh, everyone felt sorry for him. Yeah. Um, right decision, though. Yeah, it, it is. It's, 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 I feel resigned when I'm saying that. I feel like, you know, it's, a, it's like a form of Stockholm Syndrome now, where <laughs> I'm so used to yeah, these these decisions ruining the game. I just go, yeah, that's the right decision. Well, I mean, I, well it is the right decision. I, I, lo- I actually, I quite like the transparency of it, and it, it was... It was so obvious. We all we've seen it lots of times. The rulings are very clear. We knew what happened. He was taken in the air. He landed past the horizontal. He landed on his head, neck area. Yeah, it's a red card. And yeah. the the only thing that concerned me was just how long the the referee and the TMO came. It took to come to the decision. Yeah, they, they must have replayed that ten well, times. Do you know what? In fairness, the referee and TMO, I think they did that ten times. Because they wanted to keep him on the field. Yeah, they did. I think they wanted. An they were looking to keep any. Him. They were looking for any excuse to keep him on the field. Yeah, it's getting because eight, eight minutes into or whatever it was into a. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say it's getting silly because it's not. The rules, the laws are there for a relatively good reason. But you know, when you're talking about Elliot Daly, this isn't a case of a guy um, who cynically went into the guy to a guy in the air. His eyes are on the ball continually. Yeah, it just means we're going to have to change 
entirely the way that we play rugby and chase and chase oh, down yeah. the ball. It, it is completely changed. It's a it's a coaching point for Elliot Daly. That, that that is, he will never do that again. And you're seeing players <sighs> behave differently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, I, right. do, you, do you have an issue with that, Tim? That players need to adjust no, their behaviour. No, well, no. Yes, it was a red card, and yes, I feel a little bit like JB described that resigned to it. Stockholm but, syndrome. Yeah, I, I think there's an element where if I, you know, and I don't want to be one of those people that goes the good old days. I, I can't <laughs> help you can't. I think you can't help but do it a little bit as you as you get older in, in whatever area of life. But I think back and I, I think that there would have been a level of uh, 10 years ago, five years ago, even, there would have be been a level, a, of empathy. a level of like, sorry? You're about to say a level of empathy. I'll put my, I'll put my house on the fact that you're about to say a, le- a level of yeah. empathy. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you, you just said the referees clearly, the referee TMO and assistant referee clearly had a level of empathy for Elliot Daly because you just said they were looking for any reason not yeah. to have to send him off. Well, it's going to be just a gamble and, now, isn't it? So if you remember Zebo in Chicago, um, Zebo in Chicago, I like that. Um, uh, he kind of went really high. <laughs> he took a risk. He got the ball. It was spectacular. It was a great piece of play. The, the gamble you've got to make now yeah. as a player is, am I going to go for that ball? And if I am going to go for that ball, um, I've got to be prepared to accept the consequences of someone else going for the ball and them coming off worse than me. But no, it's it's slightly more simple than that because it's, can I get there and get in the air? Because if Elliot Daly's in the air, that doesn't happen. There's no red card. Yeah. It's 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 very it's a very simple decision it's to make. It's not that's it's not no, that simple. It, it is it is exactly that simple. If you can get there in no, time, it's not yeah, but that what simple. if we can both get there in time? Yeah, if you can no, both no, no, get no, there. I, in, no. I looked at the law. I looked at the law. No, I looked at the law, and it's the the definition. There's still a grey area because the definition is if the player had a realistic chance, uh, a realistic um, likelihood of competing or getting the ball. So just just jumping in the air doesn't absolve you of responsibility. You have to no. have also been in the referee's eyes, yeah, uh, been able to realistically get the ball. Yeah. So on, no, no. But that Which, is that is exactly my point, Tim. If you can get there, so you're close enough to the ball that you can get into the air to get the ball, then it's that yeah. simple. Otherwise, you slow down. And Elliot Daly got there, but he wasn't yeah. in the air. So all he should have done is take two yards off, wait for Issa to land and hit right. him. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's going to be dead clear. I, 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 I think we should. I think we should stop debating the, this decision because what what I've noticed from all the replies on on Twitter and and what people seem to be saying, and even Eddie Jones, what he was saying, no one's really disputing this. I think everyone's kind of whether you whether you think that was outrageous, that was a definite red, or whether you think maybe more sort of where we are or J, JB and me particularly, like I guess he's got to give him a red. Then everyone seems to be saying. One one thing, and Eddie Jones said, I don't think we should judge on outcome. We should judge on intent and the action. Well, and Eddie what Jones. was the difference between that and the Argentinian guy? I mean, the thing which annoys me most is we do a rugby podcast every week. And it feels like 10 minutes of our podcast every week is taken up <laughs> with officiating decisions, which isn't really what we should be talking about. No, no, there, there's much better things in this game to be talking about. I, I Actually, it did cross my mind to think, I wonder if Eddie Jones has done this deliberately to uh, just test him. How, what what better way to play with forty practice playing with fourteen men than actually playing with fourteen? Are men? you saying Elliot Daly's just a good soldier? Yeah, he was put out of position. Good lad, uh, because he was always yeah. coming off after five. His first opportunity, he was going to take someone out in the air. Yeah, that's 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 perfect for you. <laughs> <laughs>
I mean, you can look at the flip side of this and say, what an incredible effort by England to keep out Argentina. And what, for 10 minutes they had 13 men, right? Uh when they did have 13 men, Argentina also had 13 men. Did, did they? Yes. If both teams finished with 13 men. Did they? Yeah. Guys, I, I know I know you don't want to, I, I, by the sounds of it, you don't want to talk about it, but I'm just telling you what people that have been tweeting and writing and talking about. This is the biggest question, this intent outcome action. And whilst it's, yes, we don't want to get into discussing a, an individual incident at in in depth i think there's an in, interesting point for Thank the you. for the direction that rugby's going and how we want it to go yeah i agree with you there and i'm well the area of the law which concerns me the most is not the tackle and it's not catching the high, catching the high ball and i think that elliot daly thing kind of proved it because we can all watch a video and go yeah that is a red card by the letter of law whether we like it or not yeah. we are very clear yeah. The area of the law which really concerns me at the moment is the clear out on the breakdown. I don't know how you coach it. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. I don't know how you coach it. I don't know what they're looking for. Um, I understand there can be head contact, but there's head contact in all sorts of rucks. Uh, we had a red card in the Premiership on Friday night, which we'll talk about in the midweek domestic podcast. But I was watching the technique and I was thinking, how do you actually ruck? In the le- I mean, if something goes wrong and someone gets concussed or someone gets seriously hurt... And they review it. Almost every rock looks like it's legal now. You, you've got to make um, at least. You've got to try to make a bind. That, that's how you're supposed to do. You can't charge in shoulder elbow or anything like that. You've just got to make a bind. But even with making a bind, Ugh. you can be recu- reckless. You can't. Yeah. Well, that's it's exactly right. right. So the, when, what's what's sorry, Tim, you, you're saying there. What's the problem with making a bind on a rook? That's that's fairly clear. No, nothing it? wrong with making a bind. No, there's nothing wrong with making a bind except. Okay, so my starting point with this, all of this, and particularly this area, I agree that that we need to be really careful about how we how we start bringing in laws and, and officiating. The starting point, let's just get it straight. Rugby is, and one of the reasons we love it, is it is the, the toughest of sports. It's incredibly physical. These are huge men. Players can, do, and will get injured. Some will get badly injured, yep. and that's okay. Can we make that the starting point? That's okay. Yeah, well, well I am definitely on board with that. That, mm. that is fine. Yeah. What I have an issue with. Great. Yeah, oh, no, so, oh, go on. Sorry, go on, Tim. Oh, no. So what I was going to say is, so in, in the past, you've probably heard me witter on about it at, at length about people that demand consistency and the letter of the law. The consistency I personally want is that decisions be consistently made with, what's that buzzword, JB? Uh, let me guess. Corn- cornerstone. <laughs> <Sorry>. Cornerstone. <laughs> that the, the decisions be consistently made with empathy for what players well, are trying yeah, but, to do. But and how the difficulty do you about consistency. But yeah, what? To, huh? Just, how, how do you word that in law? And, and also, just going back to the, uh, the Elliot Daly. You don't need to have everything in law. Well, no, this no, is what but, I'm saying. But just your empathy, going back to the um, Elliot Daly issue. Where's your empathy with Issa, who's landed on his neck, has missed the whole game, could be seriously, seriously hurt? I'm not that bothered actually. I haven't, about I haven't, I haven't argued that that's a, a red card. It is a clear red card. No, no, but if like the empathy thing, like how, you, if you're going to show empathy, if you're going to make be lenient on one side, then you're not showing empathy to the other side, the yeah. injured party. Yeah, like, it's I'm, like, not, I'm not like, saying being someone lenient. Right, I'm, I'm saying, someone else's I'm right. saying yeah. the empathy mm. comes from the. The empathy comes from the starting point that this is a massively tough sport, incredibly physical, and people will 
get injured yeah, yeah, and that's definitely. okay. But I'm so not, I'm there was a perfect example of, of what I'm talking about here t- uh, today. And we'll, uh, I, I know it's a club example, but it's exactly what JB was getting at with the rucking. So Jim Hamilton cleans out a ruck the way that rucks have been clear, cleared out for years. forever. Yeah. 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 Where there may be con- where there may be contact of a body part with someone's head. Now I'm not talking about a long run up and yeah. targeting someone's head. I saw, I That's saw the always been out of out of line. Yeah. I mean when someone's crouching so low that the only target you can hit to clean them out is their shoulder yeah. and or head. Yeah, and we all sign up to that. It's like an unwritten contract. Like you know that that's what happens in a rugby game. Jim Hamilton didn't even connect with the head, but they ended up penalising him because they went to the TMO. And what they ended up saying was the upper arm made contact with the chest area. That is rucking. Yeah, that was no problem. I saw I saw the issue and I was I was shaking my head. I thought it was unbelievable. And what's even worse? Well, no, it's all bad, but. They wasted two, three, four minutes reviewing a complete yeah. non-incident. So I, I'm Tim. I'm, I'm with you in general. Like the, rugby is a hard game. It will continue to be a hard game. It's still. I know some people think it's going soft. It's still one of the hardest games. If you watch any of those internationals this weekend and tell Ugh. me it's not one of the most brutal sports still on the planet, yeah, we're going to watch you watching the wrong game. It's stuff like that that that, that really winds me up I think a lot of the rest of it is going in the right direction well, in my mind rugby's going to have to be super technical and it's going to end up almost like um, you know like one of the combat sports like wrestling where they take away ev- everything so it's not dangerous and eventually the only thing that is dangerous is just the sheer amount of physicality involved does that make sense so in wrestling they've, they've literally taken away everything which is dangerous you can't have like um, chokes you can't have small digit every, like everything goes and that's the way I think rugby's going to go it's going to become really really te- technical to coach it but I don't know how you get around the idea of you know coaching a ruck because when people are so low there's no way to you know make contact and the most dangerous one is when you've got a player jackling and it is a hundred percent legal yeah. to hit like the small like the small of the back oh yeah it's a hundred percent legal that is far more dangerous than Jim Hamilton's upper arm hitting someone's mid chest yeah Oh, the the so. language they used on that Jim Hamilton one. He grabbed him under the arm, but then slid up to his neck. Sounds sensual. Br- brush- yeah, it, it, it was, it, that was such a bad incident. <laughs> I'm completely with you on that one, Tim. Yeah, wait, that was a waste of time. So, um, so I, I, what, what's the conclusion that we've come to then? <laughs> uh, I will. I think we're all well, saying conc- we're, we're all saying rugby should be tough, 100, percent and but, rugby yeah. should stay tough. I think there is where we we probably slightly differ after that point. So we we can agree on the base position. Yeah, is that basically how do you draft a set of rules or set of laws to reflect this fairly? And that's a hard bit, isn't it? Well, uh, well, uh, do you know what? It's not just about drafting the set of laws. It's about and it's this phrase letter of the law because if you start making it that you demand consistency when humans are fallible and by their very nature inconsistent. If you start demanding consistency and the letter of the law be adhered to, then every single time there is, as we saw today, the referee's talking, contact with upper arm in chest area, then you start enforcing, then you start losing empathy and you start and you start penalising things which are rugby incidents. And last week we had to deal with people from all nationalities not just irish fans acting like it was the battle of the somme in dublin when it was just an incredibly physical hard game and one of the one of the penalties which got a yellow card was warranted a red card 
and everything else was officiated well, according to World Rugby's sighting commission. So it wasn't in, intensely brutal. There's an, there's an Irish rugby or Irish sports podcast that do rugby from time to time. It, I thought it was a comedy podcast when I heard it. It was <laughs> ridiculous the way they were talking about it. We just need to oh, calm some of the, down. Some of the, some of the belly aching is incredible. Rugby's tough. We just need to, yeah, calm down, accept rugby's tough and not try and enforce the letter of the law all the time. Let's keep the spirit and the honesty of rugby. Like one thing that we've lost a little bit is when there is a little bit of a flare up between two guys. I used to love the old school shake hands and back you go. Who did we've that lost the other that day? Someone did that, I, no, no, I, no, I no, like someone those kind of values. I'm trying to think who did it. They got yellow cord or something and they went up and, sh- and they shook each other's hand and then they got disciplined. Right? To me, that was over then. I can't remember who it was. It must have been a club game. Anyway, not important. Um, let's move on. Let's move on. Cause I've, yeah, anyway. I've, well, yes. I've got a question for you. Okay. So Go after on. years and years of the Southern Hemisphere saying Southern Hemisphere rugby is clearly better, did they actually only mean the All Blacks are clearly better? <laughs> Uh, because I've been thinking about this set of tests and the, some of the most even, even games that I've seen in a long time between the two, two, two hemispheres. Yeah. And I think if you were to ask an All Blacks fan, what was easier this year, the Rugby Championship or the Autumn Internationals? I think I know what answer that they'd give. Uh, well, they didn't lose a game in the Rugby Championship. Exactly. Uh, in fact, they didn't even look close to losing a game in the Rugby Championship. No, no. Uh, I, th- I think that is a fair point. Um, you, I mean, you've you've obviously got this enormous drop off of South African rugby. In eight years ago, they were the best team in the world. They won the World Cup, uh, their second win. Uh, and even till until a couple of years ago, mm. they were still one of the well, probably second ranked team in the world until a couple of years ago. Now, well, losing to Italy, um, getting, who lost to Tonga? Yeah, who who just lost to Tonga? Getting. Beaten very handily by England, very handily by by Wales. Um, yeah, Wales they, made it look they easy. Are, yeah, they are a, a different side. Um, but you know, can you just like... listen? Listen to this. You, you know, Dean Ryan's old Worcester, the best team in Europe. <laughs> uh, logic oh, yeah. when when Worcester beat the team that beat the European champions. Yeah, three years ago when Worcester won the top fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be, yes. Beat Oyana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> Ireland beat New Zealand. Yeah. South Africa beat Ireland. Right. In the summer. In the summer, yeah. Italy beats Italy beat South Africa. Yeah. Tonga beat Tonga beat Italy. Yeah. Georgia beat Tonga. <laughs> Hang on, Tim. You, you, you can only go sequentially with this. You can't go forward and back. No, you can go wherever you want with this. Oh, there you go. Japan, there you go. Japan beat Georgia. Yeah. Japan beat Georgia. I was try. I was trying to find a way to get back to Samoa beating the USA, <laughs> and then Brazil, and then Brazil beating the USA, and Brazil wow. the best team in the world. It's just, it's just <laughs> rugby mathematics. There, there will be a way. There is a way. Yeah. Uh, talking of making, uh, talking of making things up, um, we had to rack our heads this week in Didsbury Talk H Rugby Club. We're trying to invent a new... Ding! Yeah, a, a <laughs> Didsbury Talk H Rugby Club. There you go. Um, say it again. Ding! Um, yeah. We're trying to create a drill, okay? And maybe our listeners could help me out on this. We want to create a drill based on the BBC... What's the, what is it? Um, what's the wildlife show called? Uh, Planet Earth. Planet Earth 2. Planet Earth. Yeah, and, and the drill is going to be called uh, Snakes and Iguanas. 
So you've got to make me a drill called Snakes and Iguanas, and then I'm going to make the boys run it in in training. So you'd have to do it a bit like... Uh, what's the old game where you have to run across? Like, uh, kind of like tag, but you have to get from one side of the pitch to the other, and you start... Bulldog. Yeah, yeah. Bulldog. So a bit like that. Except the player's got to be camouflaged. Yes. Yeah. Camouflage and leech onto them, so they grab, but the players can still go keep keep crawling even when they're yeah it's, and it's got to result in almost certain death yes definitely yeah, yeah so if you can think no, of I'll anything tell, i'll tell sorry well, Tim, it on. would be like it would be all all the uh defending players um would be scattered around the field in random positions lying down face down with their eyes shut they would be snakes and yes. the attacking player would like be creeping slowly through them <laughs> trying to wind his way from one end of the pitch to the other and at some point and he, the, the coach wouldn't be looking he'd be facing the other way he'd blow the whistle and at that point everyone <laughs> gets up and the guy has to bolt yeah yeah Bed- bedlam yeah and the only way you can get get off is to you know, find like a, like a high point of, of, of the pitch maybe a pile of rocks or something <laughs> that's like how you climb to the top of the post yeah yeah <laughs> Snakes and Iguanas, I expect. Climb to the top of the post. <laughs> or he, and obviously he has to die if he gets caught. Yes, yes, I, yes. Obviously, I, I think clubs up and down the country will be playing the Dis, 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 uh, Didsbury Talk H uh, Snakes and Iguanas. Don't know. There, there you go. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the actual England Argentina match? Because I feel like we spoke about yes. everything around the match, just not the actual game itself. Yes, I quite like to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. All right, and Phil, why don't you give me some of your takeaways from the match? It was interesting to see England um, kind of close up shop a little bit. So when when they had the red card, mm. I felt like they did play a more pragmatic game. Um, they tried to control things a little bit more. And it was Argentina, particularly in times towards the end of the first half and start of the second half, who were trying to get it open, trying to keep the ball in play, looking for the turnover, looking to pounce, almost playing like uh, the Jaguares rather than an Argentina international side yes. at, at times, not the whole time, at times. Well, I kind of think um, Argentina are the new France. Well, France are the old France now. So Fra- they're Fra- both the old France. Yeah, they're both old France now that France have re- been rejuvenated. Mm. So I, th- I thought that was that was interesting. Yeah, they England played, for me, very almost like risk-averse. They were very, yeah. very um, narrow in, um, in their attacking structure. Yeah. Um, I guess the most the most impressive thing for me is how they managed to manage to hold out what I think is actually a very un- underrated underrated odd um, Argentine side and do so with fourteen men. I mean that is by far the biggest takeaway, which is the test of character. But an Argentine side that aren't playing particularly well at the no. moment. They've not played. They've they had a couple of good games in the rugby championship, but this this tour will be very very disappointing for them, um, and it. Disappointing for Argentina, they gave away 17 penalties. So they their own ill-discipline let them down at times when they had good territory, good possession, and they gave away stupid penalties for, for holding on or hands in or yep. coming in from the side of the rook. And they are incredibly indi- incredibly they, indisciplined. We've been saying it about the Jaguaras all season, and they, you felt like they were learning up to a point, and this is almost like a regression a little bit. Mm. Tim? I think that that was a a big statement by England. It's easy to just write Argentina off because they made a lot of mistakes. They were ill-disciplined. 
Um, but a man down, and at one point, as you rightly pointed out earlier, two men down. Yeah. Uh, I I, th- I think it, it really demonstrates what this England team may be capable of. The, the, the it felt a little bit like I'm trying to remember what year it was, but there was one year away in away in Dublin. It was a total dogfight, and there was a man in the bin at a crucial stage, and, and and we came through that one, and it felt a lot like that. And also, my my sort of that's a general takeaway, but I, uh, Johnny May's come on really well. Do you he think? did loads of really good defensive work, and and Eddie Jones didn't, uh, and the coaches didn't specifically mention Rocco Dugunis' defensive work. Uh, but they didn't talk about the specifics about why he was dropped. But yeah. I thought Johnny May defensively was was excellent. He was, and and, and um, we've said it before about Jonathan Joseph. But defensively, I thought he was outstanding as well. Um, and the, it, mm. the the positional, I think, is the the thing that Johnny May has come on. I remember thinking a few years ago, you'd watch him under a high ball, and it would be like, heart in your mouth kind of thing. You're not sure if he's gonna if he's gonna be in the right place, if he's gonna catch it, or what he's gonna do. He's Consistency seems to have improved on that front massively for me. Yeah, I, I think the whole Johnny May thing's a mystery. Yeah, he's doing well, but he's in a good team. I don't think he should, he should be anywhere near the England team. I who, think who would you have then? Someone who's playing regularly. I mean, you've got two guys on the wing. One isn't a winger, and the other, and the other one has played pretty much zero club rugby. He's I mean, played a handful of games. Yeah, you, yeah. you'd argue that his club mates would pro- are probably more qualified to play. Sharples. Sharples. Is well, on that one. on that basis, we better drop Dylan Hartley then. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not a bad idea, mate. That, I mean, Dylan Hartley's playing well for um, for England, but I don't think there's anyone playing in a Northampton shirt that needs to be anywhere near international. Unless you're talking about Mister Northampton himself, Louis King Pickles. Louis. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Jamie George has got to be pushing close. If if Hartley wasn't captain, would he be starting? I yeah, I tend to think that. Um. Jones is not as wedded to the idea as your captain has to, has to start. That's my impression. But, but the problem is, who is the decision maker afterwards? It's a point I made before, and I, I was against Hartley, but I'm not sure who would be making those decisions if Hartley's not on the field. Hmm. I think that the, the bench, the, the impact the bench made, Sinclair looked really good off the bench, yeah. Jamie yeah. George looked great off the bench, Henry, Henry Slade looked yeah. fantastic off the bench as well. And we've got to remember, 14 men for, for the major, for the vast majority of that game, yeah. and and with Owen Farrell kicking strangely quite poorly, he yeah. could have won by more than 20 points if he'd had, had his kicking boots on. Yeah, Owen Farrell, uh, 60%. Kicking rate is very un Owen Farrell like, isn't it? Well, it's about ten, it's ten, it's ten percent off Owen Farrell like. Uh, more like twenty five percent off. Well, well, he's, not, he, <laughs> he's like an eighty five percent kicker. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, I know he wasn't as high as Ben Spencer. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, okay, so one more player that deserves one more player that deserves a mention, and so deserves to go on an Eng, uh, on a Lions tour before his career is done. Chris Robshaw. Yes. yes. Uh, I, you know, I said it a few weeks ago. I just love the story of, you know, being kicked when he was down, being kicked really hard. So, yeah. you, you know, you've come off the World Cup. Everyone has made a real big deal of you coming into the World Cup and with the whole build up. And then you lose your captaincy. And the way he's responded is it's just it, it's awesome. He is the ultimate role model for anyone trying to play rugby oh. or anyone in the game. I think he's absolutely brilliant model professional. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 
He's that he's that much of a machine. I, I was actually surprised that they didn't just let him play for Quinns uh, on Sunday because he could he could have done it. He's that much of a machine. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I do want to temper Argentina's uh, uh, tour north, which hasn't been a big success, with some stats that were in the newspaper today. Uh, the total number of long haul flight miles flown by Argentina players in 2016. Oh, this is going to be uh, enormous. Yeah. Have a have a guess. Oh God, I wouldn't know where to start. It'd be tens of thousands. Yeah, but go on. How how many tens of thousands? I've no how idea. How many times around around the globe have they been? Uh, what's the globe about? Twenty two thousand. Twenty two thousand miles. Because you've got to remember they're doing oh they're a, a lot right. Yeah, a few and you've got to times it by the amount of squad because that's they're not just going to say not going to do it per player are they? Well, I don't know. So go on, Tim. Give us give us. A no, quote. no, no. This is this 80, is the number. I think by eighty Argentina, times around Argentina. Eighty times around the globe. How long? 80 times around the globe. Well, yeah, because if you, you think, think uh, 1.6 million Well, if you think miles. about it, right, the, the Argentine team is made up of what? Say, squad of 20... Well, no, no. Oh, Tim, sorry, Tim, are you doing... Well, one... this is per player. Per this player. Is, oh, is right. Player. Okay, yeah. All right, okay. Oh, um, four times around the globe. I think that's probably not too far off, yeah. Yeah, a little bit higher than that. 99,500 miles, oh. which, in, which is included... 50 long-haul flights, oh. 150 nights in hotels, 15 God. super rugby matches and 11 test matches. Uh, and on, on their travels, they've won three and lost eight of those test matches. So we should temper Argentina's performance before we draw too much of a conclusion well, from it. Know. From that, is a, I, that is a horrendous no, schedule. Sorry, I, I'm the other way around here. If they'd never travelled before in their lives, I'd say, yeah, we, <laughs> we can temper this. Um, they should be experts by now. And this I, should be their thing. The All Blacks do quite a bit of travelling as well, don't they? Well, I was going to say, uh, Aaron Smith would just love that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> love, love those air miles. <laughs> All this time in airports. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of a lot. <laughs> no, but just can you imagine, you, you would have to take... You would, I mean, you'd have to employ some kind of chaperones and, and security and doorkeepers and register keepers with those Argentinian playboys in hotels for 150 oh, nights yeah. Yeah, that's a very in the good, last year. That's a very that, good point, actually. Whatever Aaron Smith is doing, I bet it pales into insignificance <laughs> compared to the Jaguaras. Imagine if like, Aaron Smith has that little thing and he's you know apologising on camera what? to... The woman, the woman the woman involved in the Aaron Smith thing came out and said that nothing happened. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, uh, So what was he doing in there? I don't know, but the point I'm trying to make is the Hagiwaris should sign him. It's a match made in heaven. <laughs> Imagine well, yeah, that. Yeah, because Cabelli <laughs> plays for the Brumbies. Yeah. So wouldn't be your problem, would it? Yeah, Aaron Smith Same. goes to the, to the Jags. Perfect. Um, <laughs> before we move on from England, I've just got another uh, one last quick question, unless you've got anything else to say. It's this. How serious is the Billy Vanapolo that, injury? That's what I was going to ask as well. And is this purely a back row problem, or is some of it mitigated because Manu might be coming back for that go forward ball? Well, do you know what we had a question on the Manu on the Manu one? Then we had a question come in. Where is it? Um, the question was from Charlie at Rugby Podcast. Said, "Do England actually need Manu?" Yes, yes, they do now. I think he's more important than ever, providing he's the old money when he's looking looking okay. And um, the reason is they need to go forward. They need to go. He looks really trim. Did you see him? He looked really slim. No, I didn't see him in Bristol. No, I've not. I've not seen him either. Um, it's that's good. He looks in good shape. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's it's too early to say. Um, 
if if Manu gets a run of eight or so games between now and the Six Nations, he's got a chance of being in the wider squad. I think he's. At, I think do, he's with them now, isn't he? Sorry, I think he's gone with them now. I think he's with them now in the thirty-three man squad. Got a feeling he's at. That. Surely not. I think he is. Wow! But you'll need to double check that. I don't know if he's officially named, but he's there. Um, well, <laughs> having played what twenty minutes less than that. It's Johnny May, isn't it? I guess <laughs> I guess the thing is, if Jones thinks he knows who his best player is, it doesn't really matter who's fit and what form they're in. He goes with it. Yeah, maybe. Um, so, so he's uh, rumoured to be out for four months and we'll miss the Six Nations. This is Billy. Billy, yeah. Um, Billy, yeah. Um, sorry. Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm jumping on to Billy. Yeah, sorry, Manu. Sorry. I'm crossing my injuries up. Yes, so um, that's kind of my fault for conflating the two things. But No, no, no. Um, I, yeah, I actually think that Manu's going to be coming back into the England squad a lot quicker than we, quick, quicker than we think, just purely to give England go forward. Uh, I would be surprised at that, but we'll see. Mm. We'll see. Well, what, he only, he's only got two months, hasn't he, until um, until Six Nations? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, if he gets eight good games under his belt between now and then, he could be considered. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. The, the question, the real question, though, is do they need him? And it's an interesting one because you've won. Does that make it 12 on the bounce now? Um, you're playing the best rugby that England have played probably since 2003. Is that 12 for Eddie Jones, but 13 for England? For England. On the bounce. Yeah. Uh, Tuolagi's not in the, the 33 man squad that's just been announced. Hmm. Yeah, well, I'm pretty sure he's with the squad, although he might not be announced as a squad member. So I'm almost certain he is there, but I could be wrong. So 33 players have reassembled at Penny, Penny Hill Park. Yep. Uh, with several returning to camp, including Dave Atwood, Josh Beaumont, Tommy Taylor, Alex Good, Mike Cayley, Lazowski, Rocco Daguni, Marlon Yard are the guys who've come back into camp. Fine. Uh, it looks like I'm wrong. But if you have seen... Uh, Manu at camp and you want to confirm my suspicions please let us know at rugby podcast Um, Uh, yeah I'm not sure they do need him I'm not sure they need him but if he gets back to his best he would add it something to just about any team so it would be interesting let's let's give him a chance to just see how he does in in club colours for a bit more pressing is the decision at number 8 ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Who would you pick? Go. Nathan Hughes. Uh, 
I would probably... It's a difficult one, actually. On last season's form, I would have picked Nathan Hughes. I actually don't think he's having a great start to the season, even though Wasps are playing very well. Um, well, he didn't start right at the beginning, did he? No. He's injured. But then he has had a few good games. The, well, the, the games, he's, he's not... It doesn't seem to me, from what I've seen, he's not been in the form he was last season. Well, interesting. I thought Ben Morgan had a really good game today against oh. Saracens. Ben Morgan is playing well. Is he in the squad, Phil? He is not in the squad. Well, that might be your man, then. Because he's an out-and-out eight. And so it's Nathan, Nathan Hughes or Josh Beaumont, then, isn't it? It is. It, those two are in the squad. Interestingly, Clifford has come back in after a, a fairly handy game. Uh. Um, but I... He's only played eight, 80 minutes in the last eight weeks, so I'm not too sure um, you'd want to put him in. I, it probably, from the guys available... Uh, it stands to reason it's Nathan Hughes, if fit. Yes, it does look an awful lot like Nathan Hughes. Um, I mean, Tamina Harrison came on and played there. Um, I wouldn't be starting Tamina Harrison at eight, in an intercession, particularly not no, against no. Australia. I completely agree. Uh, and your only other option who's played eight, who's in the squad, well, you've got Beaumont, but Tom Wood actually started a game at eight for under Stuart Lancaster, he, or a couple of games at yeah, eight pe- under Stuart I Lancaster. don't like the idea of that. No, me neither. Um, <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it. I will, okay, so let's move on. And when we move on, I'm going to move on with a quick question, which is this. When was the last time that Wales won three of the Autumn <laughs> Internationals? And who are the Internationals against? Uh, 2007. Tim? I think I'm going to guess two thousand three. just any three internationals in a row. Uh, no, three, autumn, three, three autumn, out of four. Three autumn, other autumns. Three out of four autumn internationals. Three three autumn internationals. Uh, 2005, and it will involve Canada or Japan or something Ooh. like that, uh, as a couple of them. Which, which or Romania. Uh, yeah, There'll be two tier two nations. Yeah. Uh, someone like Samoa and maybe Argentina. Well, in 2002, that's the last time that they won three of the Rosses. Yep. Romania. Romania. Yeah. Fiji and Canada. Uh, wow. And then they, talk, <laughs> then they rolled, that, rolled that amazing form into a test against the All Blacks and got thumped 43 17. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Um, so if you, right. just, if you just take it. Well, here, here's a discussion. Oh, sorry, go on. Go on, Phil. Uh, well, no, go for your discussion point, Tim. Let's go for that. It... Well, the discussion point, there's a bunch of people on Twitter that directed us to an article uh, that came out today quoting Rob Howley as saying, Rob Howley says he is satisfied with Wales's performance in the Autumn Internationals. Um, hmm. Well, this is where I was going to go. So, results-wise, three from three. Take yep. that. Performance-wise, they got completely annihilated by Australia. Yeah. They weren't in the same... They weren't even close to being in the same league as Australia. Yeah. Um, they narrowly beat a very poor Argentina side and only just beat uh, Japan. And then beat probably what is the worst South African side in living memory. So, uh, Well, I mean, they can only win what's put, uh, against what's put, put in front of them. Yeah, I think the first game was almost this... Well, no, you, you, there's no excuses really for the first game. The only excuse is we're really reliant on a handful of players and they weren't available, i.e. Warburton, Alan Wynn. Um, that's, the, that's the only thing I can possibly say 
kind of defend. It's but it's not. But it's not really a defense. No, because Ireland got on a plane, went to Chicago. They play broadly the same competition, the Pro 12, and they beat the All Blacks. And Ireland, with so many injuries that they again had Kieran Marmion playing on the wing for much of the game, beat Australia this, exactly. this weekend. And when England, when Wales did win, maybe one of the best games of all time, i.e., the England game in the. Yeah, in the World Cup. It was when they had what two scrum halves on. Yeah, scrum half on the wing again. Yeah. So no, re- maybe, no maybe real excuses. Maybe we're kind of uncovering something here. Well, Play Aust- scrum halves on the wing. Well, Austin Healy played a lot, he, a lot of his rugby on the wing. He did. Nico Matawali yeah. is a bet, much better winger than he is scrum half. Uh, I I also think that uh, South African fellow, what's his name? Who uh, who who guard? He's a yeah. Do you reckon? Uh, uh. I think you should have a word with Dimes. Suggest putting Stringer on the wing for a that's little a, bit. That's not. A, oh. Um, can I can I say that? No, I can't say it. Um, <laughs> I hear that some very sharp words were exchanged today with Dimes and one of his former players. <laughs> um, I, that's like made me lose my train of thought completely. So, uh, so yeah, as a, as a Welshman, well, JB, yep. are you happy or unhappy? As a North Walian, sorry. Ah, thank you. That's much. I, I'm much Satisfied happier, was the word that. You're happier, are you? Well, look, they've won. They've won some games. That's great. They lost to the only one that really matters. Not to be disrespectful too much to Argentina and Canada, but uh, sorry, Japan. Argentina and, and 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 Japan. But it's the Australia game that they would have been gunning for, particularly after that awful summer tour, and they failed. You know, they had one real big challenge and they failed. And I think if you say this is success, you're kind of rewarding me, um, mediocrity. Yeah. That, yeah. that, that's what that's where I am. Particularly when you look at your neighbours, Ireland and England. Who are so and, and to a certain degree Scotland, who are getting better. Scot Scotland are definitely on an upward curve. Yeah, uh, I cannot particularly say the same for Wales. No, uh, I think Wales are on the brink of really starting to not unravel, but their players are getting older. It's not clear to me that there's a a, ne- a new exciting wave of players coming through. Uh, I think there might be some very hard times in the future for Wales. Hmm, interesting. With with all that said, Tipperick's got a lovely try. Uh, yes, Tip, Tipperick yes, fi- finishing like well, none of the the other backs did. Is could. that the try of the weekend? Because uh, for me, it's clearly either that one or it's the, it's the Argentine try. Oh, um, Cordero's try. Yeah. Are, oh. we, are we dialing in Tim again? Have yeah. we lost him? Uh, Tim, Tim fell asleep. He was so bored. <laughs> Sorry, gents. Sorry, did you fall asleep then? Because we were boring you. Hello? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> just check. Just, <laughs> I don't want to say anything. Just uh, snuck off. Um, yeah, I thought I got away with it as well. <laughs> yeah, no, no. No, no, we no, we uh, spotted you, Tim. Anything more to talk about on in Wales, or should we just roll quickly no, on Thailand? Got the kicking game uh, okay, can I, can I just mention the, um, you know, because as someone who d- does this from time to time, I, I, I do watch the reporters at, at games, <laughs> particularly at international games, and I want to pick up notes on how I could maybe go from club-level reporter to, who knows, maybe one day do an international. Yep. And BBC's Sonia McLaughlin... Um, so, so Wales have just won a game. They'll be very happy to have won a game. Convincingly, yes, not not the strongest South African team you can beat, but they've just beaten South Africa, and the kind of <laughs> Gethin Jenkins looked really a bit, a bit, a bit 
disillusioned that uh, it was sort of rammed down his. It was well, it was said to him quite firmly. Gethin, well done on the win, uh, but that is the worst South African team oh, ever, no. isn't it? It was just <laughs> laid did, it on thick. Do you hear the like the Brian Moore comment this uh, this weekend, which got him into some hot water? No. And Don't it, go on. Well, there's nothing in it really. I mean, you read on Twitter. Uh, it sounds like uh, Brian Moore signed up to the National Front and you know he's going on a march with uh, Le Pen. But nothing could be further from the truth. What he actually said was it's really hard for South Africa... I'm paraphrasing. Uh, it's hard for South Africa to get more black players in pure, uh, because their main game is football. Uh, and this, is, this, this has led to a little bit, little bit of a racist Twitter storm now. Really? Mm. I don't quite understand. On, on the basis of what you've just said there, that doesn't... It's pretty innocuous. I suppose it's a sensitive subject, which he's talking about whilst he should really be talking about sports. You know, I think if you're commentating on a game, you want to be commentating on the technicalities of the scrum rather than the technicalities of the politics behind the scrum. Yeah, I could probably go with that. Um, There's there's a time and a place. Maybe in during a game isn't the place. Uh, There was a lot of comments about commentary in general. Uh, Di Roberts tweeted us, so it sort of links on with what you were just talking about. At Rugby Podcast tweeted, uh, should commentators retire after a certain period after uh, just like after after playing, just like you do um, when you have a shelf life as a player? And then cites that, that some certain commentators seem to have a miserable old boy left behind demeanour. Yes. Yeah, I think they should be uh, euthanized after maybe ten, like ten years. <laughs> just, just put put out to pasture. Well, it is. It's weird. No, isn't hold it? on. But the, Nick Mullins has been doing it for oh, many yeah. more years than that, and well, he's still delivering the goods. Well, it depends, isn't it? Because I mean, Nick Mullins' job isn't really the same as Brian Moore. Brian Moore's job, for instance, uh, like in the US sports, they break it down, don't they? It's the the color guy and the play by play. So the play by play guy is saying, well, you know, uh, they've advanced this far and they've done this and they've done that. And then the colour guy adds the context to it. Like, this yeah. is how I would have scrimmaged, this is the technicalities. Yeah. I don't see how Brian Moore or Stuart Barnes or any of these guys really have any idea about what's going on in the, in the modern scrum. I'm sorry to say. I mean, that isn't fair, because they clearly have a far better idea than most people. But I think someone like Keith Wood, who is more, who's slightly more recently retired, and, and then maybe someone even, you know... Yeah, Flatman. Flat, yeah, Flatman would be brilliant. Flatman's great. And then in 10 years' time, it would be, you know, Joe Mahler. Yeah, it, it is... I pointed out before when I was painfully reading uh, "Smelling of Roses," mm. uh, part of the uh, Jason's uh, library, um, where Stuart Barnes, without a hint of irony, was complaining. This is back in the early nineties about commentators and pundits uh, who he thought were past it and were just uh, exactly as we're describing him now. Were kind of old boys living in the past. Yeah, and he has fallen into exactly the same trap. Yeah, uh, so I, I would go for that—a ten-year shelf life. Once you've, I once also you really want to hear. I, I want to hear kind of a. Do you remember Sky Sports Football tried their fan zone thing? It didn't really work. It, it was just ended terrible. up being two kind of fat. It was terrible. Two kind of oiks shouting over each other. Yeah, and also, they, <laughs> however, they, they queued up all their funny little things, didn't they? Oh, he's having a Western Supermare! Ray, it's like oh, that's that's average. Yeah, and they all had their cotton yeah, yeah, yeah. It was horrendous, and they couldn't swear or hit each other. Which basically is, you know, the lifeblood of football. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was average banter at best. Yeah, they However, weren't Gary, drunk. Ga- 
Gary has pointed out, he tweeted us to at Rugby Podcast and said, uh, once again, painfully one-eyed uh, Irish commentary, um, which doesn't make it a- an enjoyable spectacle for a neutral. I would like, if there were two guys that are really know their stuff, really respected, really good at breaking things down, but there was one on each side, then actually be as biased as you want. Yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan Davis, sorry, not Jonathan Davis, um, Brian Moore and Eddie Butler uh, used to do that relatively well. Yeah, I mean, I think Eddie Butler's a bit too busy with all of his vo- all of his voiceover work now. I do actually um, like Brian Moore as a as a pundit. Yeah, because, I do think it, because he is. I like his bias and his passion. And do you know what? There is another angle to this, which is it is important that you've got someone there who can remember, you know, the first World Cup, or you know, there is like a depth of history which you couldn't get, I guess, from a younger guy. So, yeah, maybe we shouldn't uh, draw their careers to a conclusion too early. Okay. And there's the times when he goes, for goodness sake. For God's always, sake. Uh, brings a smile. <laughs> for God's sake. He's kicked the ball <laughs> Stop again. kicking it away. <laughs> and none of them are as good as uh, our favourite r- rugby league commentator that we used to feature all the time on the podcast. We haven't got him. I got him, him his name. name uh, Mick, Mick Morgan. Uh, Mick, Mick Morgan. Mick Morgan. I can't spank. <laughs> yeah, that was... Um... Send him off. Send the dirty get off. So when when I was watching the Ireland-New Zealand game, uh, and I'd had a few beers... You just had that running in your head. I might... I might. Well, not just running in my head. I might have been shouting it out uh, <laughs> at every opportunity. <laughs> I can't spank. <laughs> yeah. If you've got any bottle, Campbell, you you'll send them walking. Now, Campbell, your bottle is get Campbell. Here we go. Here we go. In the final, they don't like it. They don't like it. Typical Warriors. Send him off. Send the dirty get off. Get him off the field. That was diabolical. Get him off the field. That's just typical Warriors. I can't hear you. Can you hear that? They don't like it. No, what is it? Campbell, you've got it in bottle. If you've got it in bottle. Oh, you're listening to yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't hear it. So <laughs> He's going to be yellow card. I can't speak. I can't speak. <laughs> you get, Campbell. You dickhead. <laughs> you bottleless get. I can't speak. <laughs> wow. How are you bottleless get, Campbell. You dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> That is amazing. What a legend. Um, I'm just wondering, if you can't hear it, Tim, I'm hoping, I'm really hoping that my sound is okay on Facebook Live Feed. If you can't hear Tim on the Facebook Live Feed, let me know immediately, please. So, yeah. Um, right, shall we discuss the other games quickly? Uh, Ireland, well, Australia. Australia. Ireland, yeah, Australia. Uh, yeah. Ireland, we must talk about Ireland, because Ireland have had have comfortably had the best games to watch. Yeah. Definitely. And the most exciting games and the most noteworthy games as well. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the best thing about Ireland for me at the moment is it's this almost the complete upsetting of the world order as it is. So Ireland were always kind of plucky underdogs. Not anymore. They're basically favourites to, to almost every every game, game, game that they've gone into. Um and it has upset the Australians because the Australians used to be pretty much favourites for every game that they, that, they, that they went into, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere. They'd expect to come over and have a, like a whitewash tour. I mean, they were talking about a whitewash tour um, and green and gold 
uh, before before the tour started, mm. and it just hasn't. Do you know even what? Do you know what? I, I, want us to, I want well, I think we need to just simmer this slightly because yes, the we 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 could end up looking silly looking back at these podcasts if we go too far on the northern hemisphere uprising. Yeah. Because let's just remember, it would be typical of Ireland to be up there with the very best when they couldn't be further away from the next World Cup. They would only <laughs> love to know what it feels like to be in a World Cup semi-final. They, they peaked, so they peaked uh, a year before the World Cup mm. when they won back-to-back yep. uh, Six Nations and they're peaking a year after the World Cup. Perfect. Yeah. Just, just like good teams do. Yeah. And this was a close game. This was a very close game right until the end. And I mean... Ireland had their fair share of injuries. They had uh, Sean O'Brien drop out before kickoff. Um, they made a late call on him. Jared Payne was apparently touch and go whether he was even going to start the game. He did start. He came off at half time. They lost Carney after 11 minutes. They lost Trimble after half an hour. You got Kieran Marmion playing on the wing. Um, it's it was all hands to to the pump, um, but their defence was brilliant. Their commitment was brilliant. And they scored a couple of great tries. Some, some, and it was, it was that um, attacking edge that we didn't see the weekend before against the All Blacks that got them over the line against Australia. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I'm not going to say exactly what I said last week, but I just love Connor Murray. Yeah, I love I love the way he plays. I love how I just love everything about him, um, and that's basically my entire insight into this game. <laughs> there you uh, go, done. I genuinely think that Paddy my, Jackson... My insight, my, my insight into this game is that, that uh, it just amazes me when I think about if I was selecting a, a Lions squad, I would quite possibly be selecting five or six Irish back row players. Uh, yeah, don't disagree. Maybe, maybe comfortably six, probably. Um, they're just, uh, And I think what was great, when you actually look back over 2016, and here's a little fact for you, Mm-hmm. Ireland are the first team since Ireland are the first team since England in 2003 to beat Australia, South Africa, and New Zealand in, in a, a calendar, calendar year. year. Very good. Wow. There you go. That is good. It, it doesn't happen very often. It doesn't happen very often that you have the opportunity to, but um, well, probably more than you think actually. But anyway, and, and they're only the third team ever to do that in one calendar year. Mm. Yeah, I, I just had a little think about what you said then. So, but go on. So the, the, I, I was thinking about this with the, the injuries and looking at the fringe players. And I think when you look back at 2016, the South Africa tour was absolutely brilliant for Ireland because they were forced into a position where they had to play all these fringe players that weren't experienced absolutely and hadn't right. been blooded. And they all, did really, they all did really, really well. Yeah. And not only that, um, I think when we mentioned the World Cup campaign, which was such a disappointment, and they went down hard to Argentina in the, in the quarters... Maybe that is an example of holding on a little bit too long to your old guard and not trusting what you've got enough in your system. Are you what? Are you listening, Rob Howley, Warren Gatland? <laughs> I don't know who Rob Howley would turn to, unfortunately. That's, yeah, that's the question. If you've not got the players coming through, yeah, I guess you. But are you ever going to get them if you don't? Well, you could, try they them? could have picked. They could. He could have picked Keelan Giles instead of Alex Cuthbert. Could yep. have picked Sam Davies instead of the out of form Dan Bigger. Just for starters. Well, yeah. it turns out the game was big enough for Dan Bigger, so I, I was wrong there. <laughs> Dan Bigger played very played, played very well. He did. He did play well in the final game. He did. 
Yeah, he did. But also, when you look back at the South Africa series, you, in the context of seeing South Africa, you go, "How did Ireland not win that three 0 They lost that series in South Africa. Yeah, and South Africa, they. It's like every week they get a little bit worse. Every single week they're they're unlearning what they've previously learned. Just a little bit more is is disappearing. Uh, so they're definitely uh, one, worse now than they were in the summer. And the, the only game one really I, good question was. Oh, sorry, go on, JB. No, I, I was just going to say the only game that Ireland did win was when CJ Stander got red carded after 20 minutes. Yeah, you'd have thought, wouldn't you? Then they're on for a whitewash. It was, uh, yeah, it gets easier playing with four, yeah. with 15 men. Apparently not. Apparently not. So, sorry, go on, Tim. No, I was going to say we got. A, I, I, apologies to everyone listening. It's because I'm in a remote location. Uh, I'm, I keep interrupting these boys. Anyway, at Rugby Podcast, Roars, uh, a long-time listener, an Irish fan, uh, just posed the question. Will Michael Checker ever smile again? <laughs> no. Hmm. Well, Michael Checker's Checker. in a very fortunate position in my mind. Go on. Well, because Mackenzie came in because the previous guy wasn't particularly good. Robbie uh, Deans. Ro- uh, uh, Robbie Deans. He kind of ran out of credit. Um, he then gets fired, not because of anything he's done bad as a coach, but because of, um, well, Curly Beal, actually. Uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, They've eventually had to turn to Checker, and the reason Checker's in a good position is because there is nobody else left. He is <laughs> he he was the last qualified coach to take this role. So in some ways, he's the most secure coach in all of world rugby because there's not a single Australian out there who can then come back. They could bring back like McQueen or someone, but not McQueen. What's his name? The guy who uh, Mackenzie, I guess. Uh, but they're never going. No, they're, they're never going to actually do it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, he should he should smile. He's very well paid. He's he's an international coach, and he's going to be there for some time. But he's he he gets so frustrated with the referee's decisions, and frequently he's a man of passion. You're, you're pa- the pun to him, and he's throwing his clipboard up in the air and screaming and shouting in the in the uh, whatever you call it the, the managerial box. Um, and most oh sorry, I don't know why that's happening. And no. mo- most of them. I can't understand where he's coming from because like, some of the decisions, some of the penalties that uh, Australia were giving away this weekend against Ireland, they were clear and obvious. Like Pocock just coming in from the side, playing with the ball on the floor, not releasing, players not rolling out of the way, just obvious, simple penalties. And he seems to be con- complaining. A stat-, stat for you this weekend, Ireland gave away three penalties. They've gone from four... Oh my God, that's amazing. Four down to three this weekend. That is this genuinely weekend. amazing. Which is unbelievable. And what they're really good at, what they're really good at, is that they they manage to do that whilst also being quite good at slowing the ball down, yeah. which is quite. Oh, tell you what, that is, in that sense, it's quite impressive. That is genuinely world class organisation and coaching of the highest order. That yeah, yeah, because that's the only way you do it. You have like you will have a system around the breakdown, so you don't give give, give away silly infringements there. Yeah, the discipline not to go high, the discipline just that's incredible. Andy Farrell doing his job absolutely. So, um, and yeah, and if I were doing his job brilliantly, and, and I just think actually, and if you want to look at it in terms of like when people were accusing New Zealand of being cheats and all the rest of it, and JB, you rightly pointed out last week, you're not doing your job if you're not trying to cheat. Exactly actually, right. all that means three penalties means Ireland are very good at cheating. <laughs> yeah, very, and that's good. Very streetwise, uh, and, and I will. This is probably a testament to. To Rory Best and the way he deals with referees as well. It was his 100th cap this weekend. I can't believe he's on 100 caps, or, caps already. Well, is he already? What is he, 32? I think he might be 34. But I don't know why. He, he still feels relatively new. 
which is a weird thing to say. Yeah, 100 caps. But it, it, there is the way that he leads those players and the way he directly speaks to the referees does have an influence on that kind of thing. So, fair play. Fair play, Rory. Hmm. We've just had a um, Facebook mm. Live comment about uh, Steve Diamond. I'm, I'm hoping that someone's not implying that Steve Diamond might, might, might have left sale because that can't, that can't have happened. <laughs> Maybe they just want us to talk about Steve Diamond's next job. Yeah, it, well... The only job no, can, so can I be... just say of all the uh, of all the comments on uh, the, on Twitter when I said what you know what, what do you want us to talk talk about one comment came up a few times sarcastically which is why don't you guys bang on about sale all not all episode <laughs> again so I think that's that's the one thing people don't want us to do yeah no you can't listen to you can't listen to to your consumer Tim uh, as Henry Ford said if I left it to the consumer they would just just ask for a better horse. People want sale news. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear you banging on again about why you think sale play the most attractive rugby in the Premiership. There you go. Uh, uh, right, okay. Shall we wrap this up? Do you want to just mention the other international results and we'll do a prediction for next week's international game or games? Uh, it is games. Yes. Um, I will just mention the other results. Yes, so, please. So French Barbarians beat an Australian second team. I'm not bothered about that in uh, the slightest. Samoa beat Canada 25-23. Ooh, good. And the the one interesting thing on the Canada team was that Jamie Cudmore was starting. Really? <laughs> yeah. But he retired. I know, so did I. Uh, quite incredible. Um, Tonga beat Italy, uh, which is, again, did, sorry, incredible. Sorry to interrupt. That Canada team, Jamie Cudmore. Do you reckon he had a film a film moment where he's lacing his boots and says something along the long lines of "I'm too old for this shit." <laughs> and went out and then performed like a hero. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did his usual trick of getting a yellow card. I've not seen the incident. All I know is I know is he get, got a yellow card. So I imagine it was around that time. Yeah. When I interviewed him, uh, his friends as long as he like, got as long as he got it for some pugilistic kind of fighting, I'm fine with that. Oh, it will, where he, ri- it, he where he tore it, ripped his shirt off before starting to fight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I interviewed him, I can't remember his exact quote but it's something along the lines of I don't mind a dust up you know <laughs> and the statement no of the year. Way. <laughs> I don't mind throwing down um, yeah Tonga beat it's part of the game I love I love that <laughs> Tonga beat there's not a... enough of it anymore exactly right Tonga beat a second string Italy side uh, Fiji comfortably beat Japan did 30, they 38-25 yeah how uh, strange which is one of the most surprising results Scotland comfortably beat Georgia, yeah. which I watched most of that because it was on um, just in a pub, it was dual screen with with the England game. Scotland looked pretty good. Mm. Georgia looked very good at, the, at scrimmaging. Not a huge amount else. Oh, that's a shame. Uh, Romania beat Uruguay thirty six ten. Okay, uh, and is that the last one? That we didn't it. really talk Scotland briefly. Just oh. we, for, for Scottish listeners, I think it's it's right to point out Johnny Gray is on the plane for the Lions and looking outstanding. Uh, a bit early, isn't he? They've got a really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, he's got uh, he's got a really really exciting. They're, they're just they're just quite an interesting, exciting team in transition at the moment. And you just you I'm, you're quite optimistic about where Scotland could be in a couple of years. Mm. Oh, definitely. We've mentioned before Xander Faggerson yeah. uh, starting at tight head at yeah. 2021. Uh, well, Is it Faggerson or Faggerson? Faggerson. Faggerson. I've no idea. Oh, the third I'd say. I just feel better about saying Faggerson. Uh, um, no idea. I, yeah, I mean, for me, Scotland, I mean, 
everything seems to have gone right for them. Uh, even looking at someone like, is it, uh, hang on, hang on, let me guess right, Hugh Jones. Is, is, is that the guy? Hugh Jones. Hugh Jones, right, okay. Uh, don't, don't his, I don't want to get his name wrong if it's Hugh Evans or something. Uh, I don't think you could leave out Matt, Matt Scott. I thought Matt Scott was the on-form Scottish player. Um, yeah, not, well, not even in the squad. Yeah. But Mark Bennett and... Like he's like fifth, fifth, fifth or sixth choice centre. Yeah. Uh, Duncan Taylor as mm. well, last season. Incredible form, not in the squad. So you've got two very good centres, albeit Taylor's not, not, not been playing for Saracens from what I've seen. Um, so yeah, they've got they, uh, and Hog. What a try, Hog! Oh, that was so his his line of running to reclaim that kick. He knew exactly where it was going to bounce because it didn't bounce as you would expect it. It bounced kind of angularly across to exactly where he was. It, that was unbelievably skillful. Mm. And for a man who looks like he smokes twenty cigarettes a day, uh, incredible gas. Yeah, I heard the. Um... What do you call it? Try was very good. Uh, hog. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just, that's the one we just sorry. said. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just uh, looking at Facebook Live. That's, that's why I'm a bit confused. <laughs> someone asked me. Someone asked me, uh, where do you get your chairs from? Uh, now, obviously, I'm not going to answer that on the Facebook Live because that could, because that would be boring. I was thinking, hmm, I mean, that's a sponsorship opportunity. Anyway, that's why I wasn't. Switched that's on. how your mind works, <laughs> rather than talking rugby. Yeah, fancy that. Um, do, you know, do you know what my favourite, um, in terms of good tries, I think my favourite bit of the weekend, who was the French referee in the Ireland-Australia game? Was it Romain Poit? Poit, yeah. And, yeah, Poit, yeah. And uh, so Ringrose scored that fantastic try. Yeah. And I love that the, 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 the referee actually oh. didn't just say, um, can you check the grounding or I want to check for instruction. The referee just said, uh, uh I don't know how he scored that try. Can we look? <laughs> he actually looked because he went, I can't, I can't believe he scored that. It was Gar says, not not quite in the uh, Island-Australia yeah. game. Yes, I enjoyed that. It's just like, I, I, don't, I don't know how he did that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what, what, very what, good. No, no. what are next week's games, please, Philip? So there's only two international games next week because this is not an official international window. Okay. We have uh, on the 1st of December... Portugal host Brazil. Right, brilliant. <laughs> oh, the two Portuguese-speaking rugby yeah. nations. Proud rugby nations. Yeah. And then the big one, England-Australia. Excellent. England for their unbeaten year. And yeah. Australia wanting payback for the whitewash down under. I think England will do this. I think they might do it with something to spare, not to sound too arrogant about the whole thing. But that's what I think. I think mm. England is really powerful. Australia are playing better. Um, and they are actually quite powerful in their own, own right. They've got they're very explosive going forward. Um, but I just think England will wear them down. I think they'll be too big. I think that it'll be just as physical as that third test. Um, yeah, uh, England for me by five points. Mm. Hmm. I would have been worried anyway because it's Australia. Yeah. And uh, no Billy Vunapola. That is massive. No James Has no James Haskell. That's two thirds of that incredible back row from the whitewash. Mm. Yeah. And no, I start to get a little bit more worried. No Itoji, who was heroic during the whitewash. Uh, yeah. No Noel and no Watson. Yeah. I the the I suppose the big danger for this is it's gonna mean a lot more to one team than the other. Because if the you know, if the Australians win this uh, their press is going to go mental. They're going to be back on top of the world, and yeah. you know, it means a lot more to them 
than it does maybe to the England players. Yeah. Um, I loved... I, I think I, I might mention it on Twitter, but I absolutely loved Stephen Moore and Michael Checker and the way they met with defeat against Ireland. Stephen Moore looked... I, I love it. A lot of people would say, oh, that's a bit disrespectful. They, they, they were completely respectful to the opposition and congratulated Ireland, but they were livid. Mm. And I think you're going to see a really focused Australia. This is the end of their season. It's England at Twickenham off the back of a whitewash and off the back of a painful defeat that they possibly should have beaten Ireland. And um, I think they're going to they're going to really go for it. It's going to be a hell of a test match. I'm worried. I think England will win, but I am worried. I am worried. I, I'm I'm the same camp as you, Tim. Uh, I think b- losing Billy Vunapola is massive. Mm. And if Nathan Hughes, who I think will start there, it's a coin toss. We've not seen him do it much this season. We definitely haven't seen him do it in an international jersey this season. Um, I think that is a big, big Is club. it going to be Tom Wood, do you think, continuing at seven? Well, it depends what he brings to the party. I mean, there are kind of wheels within wheels here. And it very much depends on what the head coach is thinking his back row composition is and what each person does within that back, back, back row. So, depending on what depending on what Eddie Jones is looking for will depend really if he's going to play Tom Wood at six or even Tom Wood at eight. You know, there might be some other aspects oh. of Nathan Hughes's game which don't allow him to do that. So I really don't know. I think if Clifford no was if Clifford was more match fit and yep. he still might bring Clifford straight in, but that yeah. could be the way forward. He, he's shown in the past he does like Clifford. Yeah, he does. Al- he? Albeit it's his versatility. Because yeah, is... Clifford Clifford plays six, seven, eight. So having him on the bench and you cover all options plus yeah. he's a line out option. I was gonna say, what is Clifford? He's kind of athletic y. I mean it feels like Clifford is the sort of England player we've seen a lot of over the last ten years. Good athlete, six foot four, does lots of things well. Not a specialist at anything. Yeah, he is. He's kind of a uh, yeah. That some somewhere in between all three. He's not a bosher. He's not a fetcher. Yeah, he's a great athlete. Good all round. He's a younger, maybe slightly better version of Tom Wood. Yeah, I'd go with that. Yeah, a uh, bit more power, perhaps a bit more pace. Looks looks a bit more like Ben Foden. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good broken field runner. Now the one that, big... uh, he, he he's got gas. You could you yeah. can imagine him doing damage in wide channels. Yes, that is true. Now the the big worry for me about this Australia team is whether that all of their best rugby comes when they get lightning fast ball. When yeah. when Hooper and Pocock are playing and it can cause problems, but when when they're playing and they are blasting out their own ball and slowing down the opposition's ball to give Foley time to use those big centres to use Falau, to use the wingers coming off the wing through the middle when they get that quick ball they are incredibly dangerous, if you can stop them on the gain line, drop them and slow it down, yeah. you've got a chance Yeah, um, and also you, you know, you're exactly right, that is checker ball, if that's even a word it is now um, <laughs> since, he, since he started, it's just continual breakneck speed and if anything if he needs an answer to something, it's more of the same. More speed. More speed, more phases, more yeah. um, more quick ball. So, yeah, that's exactly what we'll see. One, one little question. Do you think do you think Elliot Daly will be banned? I mean, we've all agreed it was a red card, but bearing in mind we kind of... Do you think it will be a, a sighting and a ban? I I'd, that, I'd hope not. I think you have to have a disciplinary. And, 
you you have to i think it's a minimum one match ban if a red card is upheld and i think that's what will happen oh okay I, I, oh, I, fair enough. I can't imagine they'll do anything more than that. It, it, we all agree it was a red card, therefore it is the minimum sanction. That's therefore just cost him £22,000. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's why he was sad. £22,000 has just been flushed away. Is that how many, yeah, how how many Fijian international <laughs> match? How many Fijian international matches would Nathan Hughes have had to have uh, played in to earn one England match fee? Uh, uh, there's a little question for some 20, mathematician 20, to do. 22,000 divided by 400, and you'll have your answer. Uh, no, no, because they actually lose money. So he would have needed to pay play about minus 30 Fijian test matches <laughs> because he has to pay for his own travel and accommodation <laughs> costs. Ridiculous, isn't it? Ridiculous. And, is it, uh, and are we surprised that there are project players in, um, and, and the like? It's, uh, um, it's something the World Rugby needs well, to sort on. No, 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 no. Um, because I, didn't, I don't think that's the way that we should end this podcast. It isn't about the story about project players. For me, the story about these, this awesome internationals <laughs> is it's by far the most enjoyable internationals that I've, I can remember because of the smaller teams. It's the smaller teams that, are, that have made this. I don't think, I think project players, they will still continue. Hello, Tim? You all right? Sorry, I've, I've got, I'm so distracted. Um, please look on Twitter yeah. at a tweet from I've... Com- Complete Toffee. <laughs> Oh no! Oh god! Oh, I'm dreading this already. <laughs> Describe that, Phil. Once uh, JB's seen it, I want to hear his reaction. I'm dreading this. Have you? There you go, Jay. It is. It is JB <laughs> in the dungeon in an what can only be described as an enormous shark outfit. He's he's dressed as a shark. Nice, nice. <laughs> I was wondering what the caption it says it says reports of JB's bias have been wildly exaggerated. Hashtag enough with the sale guff. <laughs> uh, that's that's my picture from from the work from my work website. I've been stalked. <laughs> um, Tim, while you're on Twitter, just play the video that I've yeah. just retweeted. Have you seen this? The video of Johnny May trying to scrummage. Trying to scrum it? Oh, I, I know. It's incredible. This is one of the most ridiculous things. Oh, <laughs> him trying to pack down. He puts his head, so he's packing down on the second row. Yeah. And then he tries to That's put it. his head... <laughs> it's like he's trying to give Keir, um, Macavana Polar a piggyback. Yeah. He's hugging his <laughs> leg. He's head his head in up bet- his backside. He's backside. down at six that is amazing. with his head in between Mako's legs. And his head like... Oh, pop, no! Pops out. <laughs> See, this is my suspicion about Johnny May. He's an incredible athlete. He's very fast, but he's not a very good rugby player. He hasn't got a clue what, what he's doing anywhere else other than the wing. Uh, yes. Because at one point, he's grabbing Macavana Polar's shin. What's he... <laughs> He's actually pulling Macavonapola's scrummage left leg into the worst scrummaging position he can imagine it being in. That, it, that is truly incredible, that video. Um, Fair right. play. Uh, yeah, sorry. I wanted to leave the podcast on this note, which is I think these awesome nationals have been the best I can remember in a long time because of the inclusion of all of the smaller nations. Well, that's, it's, 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 it's been brilliant. It's a very positive trend. And 12 months ago, we were saying exactly the same thing about the World Cup. Yeah. And it's it it is true that the kind of law of diminishing returns, the marginal gains that all of the big teams are trying to make now because they, yeah. they've they all been professional for 20 years. 
Um, it is they're making smaller gains, but it's actually but interesting, isn't it? The, the smaller teams can make big, big gains yep. in in cricket. So I, I love the idea of this gulf uh, reducing. I, I I would love the idea of all these international teams descending on Europe in the autumn and playing matches in you know Prague, and it, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. So uh, world world rugby deserve a massive pat on the back. Yeah, definitely. Um, Good positive note to finish the pod on. Yeah, there we go. Uh, do you want to do you wanna wrap us up? And if they Tim? could build on, if they could build on that, if they could build on that by trying to assist these um, lower tier one and tier two nations to retain their own players for their yeah, own international side, the ones that they develop. Or... Uh, well, just if they do, can do more, then if they yeah. can do more, then all the better. We, we all agree, equal funding. You play an yeah. international game. You should get the same whether it's England or Tonga or Georgia. Well, discussion for another day because I can I, I can tell you why that might not work. Um, right, if you're on Facebook Live, feel free to carry on watching us whilst we reset up the pod for the midweek domestic podcast. You're in for a treat. You can talk to us whilst we whilst, whilst we do that. Um, until then, check out our um, our sponsor Cornerstone uh, Cornerstone forward slash Egg Chasers or Egg Ten at checkout. Find us on Twitter at Rugby Podcast. Leave a review on iTunes, and uh, well, that's it. So I will see you on, on Wednesday, Tim. You certainly will, JB. And I'll see you on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday, JB. Excellent. See you for the midweek domestic podcast on Wednesday. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 